So the alternate title of this podcast was If Your Kids Are Lawyers, which uh, was a phrase that got used a lot around the, the O'Rourke household. And my Maria would say that often, I'm raising lawyers. And she said it, kind of, she said it complaining, um, but it's ended up being true and good. <laughs> so we want no to official talk about lawyers that. yet. That's correct. We got Madeline's thinking about law school, but uh, yeah. other than that, not quite. Yeah, she's actually, they've all been well-trained to be lawyers. So the reason we wanted to kind of discuss this topic is because so often today, political discourse devolves very quickly. In fact, societal discourse, whether it's about politics, whether it's about religion, devolves from discussion into argument into a fight. And... And you said something really interesting as we were kind of prepping for what we wanted to talk about in the podcast, that that starts in the home. Right. Yeah, that comes from St. Angela Marisi. Um, And what she said was the disorder in society is a result of the disorder in the family. So you can always go back to the family and say, like, what's what's happening? What's already happened there? Because we're seeing it uh, blowing up out in society in general. And so it just got me thinking of, of like, you know, we complain, like I've wanted to talk about, like, let, let's talk about how to um, have a discussion, talk about things um, with people in society. But then as I was talking to you about, it, I was realizing, well, a lot of this comes from like wh- where, what we've done in the family and how, like, I'd like other people to be that respectful <laughs> to, uh, to others as they, they get into that kind of a get in, into that kind of discussion. And so then we thought, well, this is a good place to to talk about, you know, like how do you talk to your kids about what's what's negotiable? Like what's up for discussion? What's up for debate? And what what does that actually look like? Yeah, because I think that from my perspective, growing up, adults had everything figured out. And so as I've become you know, gotten older, I'm 28. So I guess that means that I'm an adult. When little kids ask questions, you want to give answers that make it look like you have it all put together. But oftentimes you don't oftentimes, you know, whatever the topic might be, you've got a good idea. You've got something you've thought through to some degree, but maybe it's not your final decision. Maybe even if it is what you think is the final decision, it's, it could be wrong. How as a parent, do you handle when your kids bring something up you give them an answer, and then you kind of realize afterwards, you know what, I don't have any, any necessarily any basis for that. For instance, a great practical example. When I was young, I, I like to sleep with it super cold. It's 45 degrees outside in Denver right now. I sleep with the window open. It'll get down to 20 and I'll still have the window open. I would rather be bundled up and like freezing at my face and the rest of my body all cozy. And so growing up, I loved to have a fan on every night. And you would always say, no, you can't sleep with the fan. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. It wasn't until I was in my mid twenties that a buddy of mine for my birthday got me this device that plugs into the wall and you plug your different things into that outlet. And it'll allow you to remotely turn your devices on and off, but it'll also track the power usage of whatever the device is. And it'll tell you how much that costs. And I found out that if you were to leave a fan on all night, every night, it would cost you $2.13 every month. And so that rule about, no, you can't leave the fan on all night because it's going to cost too much money actually didn't come from any, any basis. In fact, how do you handle stuff like that? Yeah. And I, now one of the things that we have to do in this, um, 
in our family is multiply everything by 10. Um, so <laughs> we had it play. Everybody wanted their fan and it was uh, like, there were other things at play. Like, are you going to be tripping over chords? Is it going to be the fan on top? Is it going to be like one person likes it and one, one doesn't? Um, but I, I think coming back to your, your point of uh, like, how do, we, how do we get into this kind of a discussion? How do you respond uh, with when your children are asking you that? And, and, and so, for instance, in this particular situation, um, the, I didn't know how much it actually cost. Uh, I assumed that it cost more than it did. Um, and so I was operating off of that, uh, that information, which was, which was flawed. Um, I think some of it came into uh, my own sleep. So selfishly, my own sleep patterns. I don't like noise at night. And there's a lot of, there's this hum in the background that some of my kids have said, Hey, that's great. Maria likes background noise. And I don't like, I like as close to silence as possible. Um, so, uh, but I didn't, uh, I didn't get into that conversation with you. And I think that, um, the, you know, reality is some of that was negotiable. And I, I, I think, uh, why didn't I do that? Um, if, if I'm honest with myself, some of it was, um, it was just easier not to have the conversation. Um, I didn't want to have to discuss it. Um, but what I wasn't doing was I wasn't giving you the, the opportunity to say, Hey, well, like, I really appreciate this and I sleep better. Um, and then I have to get outside of myself and say, well, hold on a second. Like I love my child and my child is not asking for me to do anything that's immoral. Um, and this may actually be a good for them. And, you know, maybe I should be looking into how much this actually cost. Um, I didn't because I wanted just to, I, I mean, quite frankly, um, at that point in my life, I was pretty much, I was really in tune to myself <laughs> and so like my needs, my wants. Um, and I thought I was just parenting by giving the decision. Um, uh, so I, perhaps that's revelatory of what I got growing up and what I was passing on. Um, but I, I see today, it's like, you know, that, uh, and I do things differently with the kids today. Most of the time, I still fall into my patterns, um, where I, I want to uh, just listen a little bit longer and say, wait a second, don't just think about this as a younger person, you know, as a, my child asking me this. Um, but think about this as like, this is one of God's children's, and I'm responsible <laughs> for for your, you know, for you temporally and god ha is more invested in you than i am even though you're you're my child and so like what do you um you know what are you bringing to the table maybe i need to consider this more and i i didn't do that uh do that well but i would tell parents today it's like listen you know see what they do have to say because um there might be something very well for you to learn in the midst of that i think part of the reason though that it's so much easier to not listen is because if you let them, kids are going to ask a million questions. Mm -hmm. You know, th there's always a follow-up question. In fact, I think it was in Pinocchio. The Pinocchio's asking Geppetto, you know, why this? And Geppetto says, oh, because of whatever. He goes, well, why? Oh, because of this. Well, why? Because of this. And then finally he goes, why? And Geppetto goes, just because. <laughs> and Pinocchio says, oh, <laughs> because... But I think that that that's what what childhood is like. And so yeah. so there's this it's exhausting to have to constantly give a reason. But I think that the payoff for that is that if you actually take the time to have these discussions with your children, then you're establishing a pattern specifically with stuff that's that's up for debate. You're establishing a pattern that. I don't have everything figured out. Being an adult doesn't mean that everything is figured out. And 
Thinking one thing and then changing your mind is totally okay. It's all right to be wrong. And coming back to kind of what we touched on a little bit earlier, I think part of the reason that so many discussions turn into arguments, turn into fights, is because we have this idea baked into our minds that if I'm wrong about something, then that tears me down as a person. It means that I'm less good of a person. And so I can't be wrong about this. And so if you bring up an argument that kind of like, rocks me a little bit, then that's not not just rocking this thing that I think, you know, well, I'll just adjust to a better idea. That's rocking me as a person. And those pathways are formed with how, you know, how these discussions are, are carried out with your kids. Yeah. And I think that that um, that's a bad uh, example that I think was uh, ingrained. I know it was ingrained in me and it's uh, would have been ingrained uh, in you, even though we did have discussions, there was uh, there were times where like, I didn't want, uh, I wanted to stop it. And, and it's appropriate. There are times where it's like, okay, it's, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and I need to go to bed. You need to go to bed. Um, but how I end that discussion also needs to be done respectfully. And so that, uh, that as we're, when we get back, back to that, because it means because means there be a cause, um, this is right now not the time to talk more about what those those causes are. And and I think even deeper, it's like, well, why, why do kids say why? Um, and the reason that they say why is because we're made for the infinite and the infinite never lacks another answer. And so what I don't want to do is squelch in my kids their desire to know more, to want more, because the ultimate answer to that, the final cause, the final reason is God, and he is going to satisfy us. And so in some ways, like I am, um, I need to facilitate your, your travel to God by being open to those discussions, especially with things that are negotiable. Plus there's this other deeper thing that happens is that when I stop and I, may, and, and I stop myself, that's when I'm stopping, I'm stopping myself from wanting just to move on and I'm instead spending the time with you, listening to, to your reasoning and, uh, and your request for more information. I'm actually also loving you. I'm saying, you know what? You are worth me listening to you. You're worth, um, and, and, you, and, and you've got an opinion. So it's worth me listening to you. And you have an opinion that is worthwhile. Um, and, uh, and if there's something wrong with that, then I'll talk you through that. But I also need to be willing to uh, gracefully, when you bring up something, which you will, <laughs> uh, where I'm wrong, it's like I, I need to be able to say, you know what, that, that's a good point. You know, I, yeah, I think that I think you're right. Um, well, because it's actually as you're saying this, something comes to mind, which is that often we think of parenting as a parent parenting a kid. You know, and, and it's almost like this one way street. And in fact, that there's a line that that gets used a lot when it's like you love a child, especially little kids unconditionally because they can give you nothing in return. And that's not true. You as a parent, absolutely most of the time, high, high percentage of the time are, are bringing knowledge of the world and how to look at the world to your kids. And you are God's hand in their life, forming them as a person. But God put them in your life to form you as a person, to to be a, a purging fire. And so sometimes they're asking a bunch of questions and the the answers are, are just like it's, it's exhausting to give them. And so the purging fires, it's teaching you humility. It's teaching you all of these, you know, patience. But sometimes God is having your child ask you a line of questioning, which leads you 
to something that you hadn't really talked about or hadn't really thought about before or to a position that you hadn't held. Right. Absolutely. Um, I, I think of a funny example of that when uh, I, I'm pretty decent at fishing. And so I took you fishing and there was a pond across the street at our, uh, in our house in Florida. And I was all excited to live near water. And so I took my son to teach you how to fish and, uh, and, and you were doing it all wrong. Like you were slapping the water and you weren't doing things right. And I was getting really frustrated. And mom was just like, you know, Michael, just let him do what he wants to do. And I was like, fine, he's never going to catch anything. And within two minutes, you were reeling in a fish and we got a picture of, and I was all delighted that you had caught a fish. I'm like, how'd you catch, you can't catch a fish that way. You totally did catch a fish that way. Um, and it was just this wick and we have that picture still, um, uh, on your, on your dresser. Um, and it's, it's me like, and you holding the fish and, and smiling, but there's this, like this deeper message in, in it to me from God. Um, just saying like, Oh, so you, you know how to catch fish. You're going to learn new ways to catch fish through your son. He's going to do things that you think are totally wrong and they're not. Um, it's, it's another perspective. And so I would push that forward into society today um, and then back into the family where it needs to be done well, is it like I'll see in society where there's argumentation and you have the one side screaming, you know, this is that color right there is yellow. And the other side is screaming and saying, no, that color is blue. Um, and neither one are really saying, well, you know, you, you think it's yellow? Really? Let, can you show me like, how do you see it's yellow? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come over here and look from here. And when you come over here and look from where they're standing, it is yellow. Why? Because the thing that we're looking at is a diamond and a diamond has different facets. It's the same thing, but seen from different perspectives, it gives off a different color, which is beautiful and amazing, but you're never going to get there unless you're able to see from the other person's perspective. So in the same way uh, with our children, we need to allow our children to enjoy the diamonds in life, to enjoy the wonder and awe of creation and of relationship. And in order to do that, like we need to very practically, when they're saying things, uh, when our children are saying things, they say like, where are you coming from? What do you see? And how many times I think of a, in my own life, where my child was telling me something that I couldn't see. And so I didn't believe it to be true until later, either my wife pointed out or I happened to, to pass by their view and look and go, oh my gosh, like I, that, like what you saw was made sense. Like I understand where you're coming from. And so that that's, that trains ourselves to be, uh, to be open, to be patient and to seek to understand first before we're, we're made. And there's even a, one of the Proverbs, I think it's around Proverb uh, 15 to 18 in that, that range that talks about like, uh, a fool is he who listens to one side of, uh, of a story and then makes a decision. It's like, no, no, you need to listen to both. And so um, I think it's important for us to be training ourselves and our kids to be open to hearing the other side. Let's talk about that really practically for a second, because you talked about the way that you were raised trained you to not even engage in these discussions, you know, to just say, no, this is the rule. This is where we're going. And I think that there are a lot of people who work from that starting point. How in, in the last episode of the podcast, you talked about the oxygen mask, putting it on yourself first, then your kids. One, how do you train yourself to, to, anal to, to, to be introspective in that way? And then two, how do you, how do you pass that same mentality onto your kids? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, with myself, and I think any parent out there is going to know it doesn't take long before you realize, wow, I've I've been wrong. Um, and 
So that's the first thing is, is like, I need to know that, that I don't see things like I'm not God. I don't see things perfectly. And to remind ourselves of that when we're dealing with our kids, because it's like, know that. And then uh, when it comes to, um, to interacting with them, like, okay, how do I train myself? Um, to ask myself, like I have to say, like, why am I saying, why am I being firm on this particular decision? Um, is it truly true? Do I know for sure that this is the way that, that things are? Um, or is it the possibility that there's, that there's more to it? Um, so uh, I, I think just having this attitude of appropriate openness, you know, is really, I just have to tell myself that. And then the, then the question comes up like, yes, but I'm in a parenting relationship. I need to get, get things done. It's like, okay, great. You know, that, that's true. And one of the things you need to get done is good parenting. So the good parenting you need to do is to train yourself to be open because don't you, because you're, the very thing that you're hoping that uh, your child does is to be open to what you have to say. And if you're not modeling being open to what you have to say by being open to what they have to say, then what's going to happen is you're just going to be pounding into them and then you're going to get that right back. You're going to get them pounding you, meaning not listening to you uh, because that's what you did to them. So this is a front-loaded proposition that's <laughs> on the front end that you're open to them, listening to them, loving um, them, and, and doing your best to hear them. They will then be loving and open and doing their best to hear you. So you, you get what, you know, you, you reap what you sow. Are you going to sow that openness, which is back to the beginning of the podcast, when we talked about like we're raising lawyers from the standpoint that they do feel like that they have a voice. Why? Because we have listened. Um, and it took a while for me to be a listener, but... I listen now. And I think that listening, I, I think that there's probably this, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, this like gut feel that if I as a parent say something and then I change my mind, my kids aren't going to respect me because I'm inconsistent. And that's where I think the communication is so important. If you, if the rule is is over here one day, if the bedtime, just use a practical example, is eight o'clock one day and the next day it's 1030, then your kids are going to say like, okay, like we're smart, you know, we knew like the bedtime is, is, is exactly eight o'clock except when it's not. And so if we talk over the chimes of the grandfather clock in the, you know, in the kitchen, then we can go to bed whenever we want. Um, and you never did it, that, did you? <laughs> no, never. Absolutely not. We, we, we got away with it. Uh, but I think that if you as a parent communicate, you know what? The bedtime is usually eight o'clock, but sometimes family time is more important than the schedule. And so we're going to watch a movie and this movie is going to end at 930. And this is an exception to the rule. And here's why. Then it kind of reinforces why the rule existed in the first place, because bedtimes are important, but it also enforces a priority structure. And so I don't walk out of that thinking you're a bad parent because you were inconsistent. I walk out of that understanding the way that my parents think. And that actually trains me to start seeing your other decisions that I don't immediately understand as decisions that probably have reasons behind them. Yeah, and I, I think that that, that methodology uh, requires, I mean, the first thing that requires is it's a death to self, um, that, that I have to say no to myself I, and to, in order to be open, and that's painful. And um, it's fruitful, it's like birth, um, fruitful and it's, it's, um, it's painful to, to engage. But I think um, the long term is where, uh, is where the fruit begins to show itself more in a way that, um, that's, real, that's extremely edifying because um, when it comes to, and I've seen it with, uh, with 
you and, and my other children, um, not that you always do it perfectly, but many times I've been in situations where there's an argument going on, even you know between you, a discussion um, that can turn into an argument, um, where I see both of you like asking questions um, and actually trying to understand the other person's uh, perspective. And I, I remember one time in particular where one of my daughters was uh, in a debate, uh, kind of an ongoing discussion with you, um, and she had only she could only see like one side. And at that point, it was like, boy, you know, you you before you like you need to look beyond yourself, um, and to see like is there another way to look at this? And that it did come about that she was able to see things um, differently, and that in some ways you were able to show her a new perspective. And I could see the flip side; you saw things differently too. And so. Um, the the growth that came from that was was as a parent was just was edifying to see um and then it brings us back to where we started this conversation of how often that doesn't happen in society and it's hard for it to happen out there you know for you to listen to somebody out there when you haven't been listened to in your in your own household and so you know a lot of it again the the blow up in in society is a result of the blow up at homes and we can you know we can point to reasons there's been you know, a lot of ways in which we've been so focused on our careers or on leisure in a way that's disordered that we're not interacting with each other. And even, you know, the advent of, you know, smartphones and the way that we can use television and, and have video on demand, all that stuff has its place. Uh, but when it's taken it, you know, center stage, then it forms me into a, uh, uh, to a person who's really focused in on myself and what I'm getting out of something, as opposed to being able to see from another uh, perspective. And so, uh, yeah, so the selfishness in um, selfishness, meaning the self-centered viewing that has happened in families, is just you know rampant in society today. So you say, okay, well, great. What do we do about that? Um, you do what what you can do, which is back, you know, in your home um, and in your relationships that you can begin to model um, really listening and, and and entering into discussion where you're trying to understand the other side. Because what you'll find is um, how many times I remind reminds me of an instance where you and I had a discussion um, and you had <laughs> you had been talking to uh, Maria and one of uh, one of your sisters and. Um, and, and I won't go into the specifics of it, but what happened, you were very upset with what they had to say. And so then we came into my office and we talked for a little bit and actually had to do with a girl. Um, and, uh, um, and you said something like, well, I think she's really attractive. And I said, you know, what? I do too. I, I think she is attractive. Um, and then uh, you're like, oh, okay. And then it like, it changed the game because then you were open to what I had to say. Cause, cause there was a way, there was a great, there was, it was a, she's a beautiful gal, you know, like you were right. Um, and so, but then that opened the door to where you could hear me more and you're like, well, if you see that and you see that she's a good person, like she's a good person, but you don't think that, um, that she's a fit. And I was like, and I don't. And then, then you were asking, well, why openly, as opposed to having, from the outside, just being told you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, because you weren't completely wrong. And this absolutism really is, you know, it's like this color, again, back to the diamond, this, um, when you say that this is definitely yellow and somebody else sees from a different perspective, like, no, we need to, to realize that indeed there's, there's more to it. There is more perspective. So let's get the perspectives on the table. A friend of mine used to say that discussions and arguments are never about what they're about. That, that, that the thing that we are discussing is usually a, a, a proxy war for something else that's going on. 
For instance, a buddy of mine and I recently were getting into a discussion about this business idea that I was working on and whether this certain um, figure would be a good, uh, good publicity face for it. And he was basically saying this person is not worth that kind of investment. I was saying this person is worth that kind of investment. And it was getting kind of heated. And I realized that this wasn't actually what we were talking about. At the end of the day, what he was talking about was a worldview that he had and how this person didn't really agree with that worldview. And so saying that this person was worth an investment would be admitting that a worldview he doesn't share has value. And that was something he was struggling with. Conversely, him saying that person wasn't worth the investment would call into question a whole bunch of my life choices. And so I couldn't agree with him without having to examine my own life and a lot of the decisions that I have made and am making. So our discussion had nothing to do with the individual we were discussing. It had something to, or everything to do with what's going on underneath. And so I think that that's a really like it, it's so important to take the time after discussion and be introspective for a second and ask, how did that go? What's like now that I'm out of the heat of the moment, what's what was that person actually what were they actually arguing about? And frankly, something that, that kind of came up as you were talking along those lines is if you don't have the pattern of having those kind of like truth seeking discussions, if they tend to get really, you know, hard headed, you know, butting heads on something, then it might be worth sitting down and asking your kids and just saying, you know what, do you think of me as somebody who is open to hearing what you have to say and changing my mind if you make a good point? Yeah. Which is probably not a fun question to ask your kids. Um, but if you were to sit down and, and ask that question, I think that maybe not the first time as you talked about before, maybe the kids say, oh, f- for sure. Yeah, definitely. But I think that you might get an answer you don't want to hear, but it also opens up the, the follow-up question okay, I'm not that way and I'm going to work really hard to change. I do want to know where you're coming from because I love you and I think that, you know, you're an awesome person. Like, I want to know what you have to say. Now, do you think of yourself as the kind of person who is open to other opinions and and willing to change their mind? Yeah, I think that that's what you just outlined is beautiful and I think it uh, brings to the table this whole idea of, 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 introspection which we both need to do because in any discussion we need to know what's at play what are the dogs um, at play in in the discussion um, so that we can we can hear better it's like trying to get the you know get the wood out of my eye in order to uh, be able to see more clearly what's happening with you Um, and i think it's it's important to do what you um, what you said where you're you're stepping back out of an individual argue you know argument discussion debate Um, and just saying like, Oh, how well do, do I debate? You know, how well do I discuss? And then, uh, and then there's one more step to that where you have before you're in or after you've been in a heated discussion to talk about like, what are the rules? How do we want to, in the future, um, how do we want to talk about things that are contentious? How are we going to do that? Um, where, because we see in society that, you know, in the court, you know, there, there, there's rules of engagement that you have that make sense where you do, um, when you're in a court of law, you have the plaintiff put forward their complaint, you know, and you have the other side be able to answer that. And you can go back and forth respectfully. And it doesn't include, I remember sitting in a homeowners association meeting where uh, there really was a problematic thing going on. Um, there was 
you know, contentiousness on both sides. And there was one person in particular who basically just shouted down everybody. And I remember at the time thinking what he was saying was it had a lot of merit and was right, but his methodology was so offensive that he was, that nobody wanted to do what he, what he, what he was saying, even though like it made sense because he was just so rude. Um, and he was so disrespectful of other perspectives, which were at play too. So I think, um, you know, on the first thing, uh, it's like that introspective uh, question, which is what you're asking is like, how well am I being open? How well are you being open? And then secondly, let's talk about the rules of engagement of how we're going to enter into these um, these discussions so that we are respectful. We do hear the other person through. And I'd give one more word of advice on that is that um, two things. One is when the other person makes a point that's right and good, go out of your way to say, I agree with that. Like point out the area so that they know, okay, you do agree with that. Um, and then secondly, as you're, uh, as you're uh, discussing, make sure to stop and say, so what I hear you saying is, and this isn't just a technique, but um, you explain their side. And until you explain their side, they're not going to feel heard. And if you just move on, they could have said 10 things and you agreed with nine, but you pick up the 10th thing that you disagree with. If you didn't tell them that you agreed with the first nine, there's a deficit there. Um, and they don't realize like, oh, you agree with one through nine. Like, yeah, I totally do. Like, we're on the same page. They're going to be more open to you in, uh, when you go to discuss the 10th well, thing. And, and the important thing when you're doing that is to strongman their argument. The, the fallacy mm. we've all heard is the straw man argument where you basically make the mm. dumb version of their argument and then pick it apart. Strongman their argument. Because there were times where you would use that as a technique and it was definitely a technique with me. And I felt like what you spoke back to me was like the dumbest version of my argument. Mm -hmm. And that that is actually not just not moving the argument forward. It's moving it backwards. Because if you straw man my argument, the subtext is you're so dumb that I'm going to play this argument back to you in a dumb way. And so I think it's a great point that, that you have to, to make sure that they know they're being heard, but that doesn't mean say back what, what they said in a way that makes it sound stupid so they understand mm -hmm. how stupid their argument is. It's like, no, yeah. like you didn't make this argument, but like the best version of your argument as I see it is this, and that's what I'm going to give you credit for. Because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to tear you apart. I'm trying to come to truth. Amen. I think that that's well said. Um, and I And I think it's important I'm glad that you as my son are putting that forward because I think other parents can listen and say, you know, here, you know, obviously I did that. Um, and then they could say, gosh, I wonder if I've done that too. And it's like, um, and is that the kind of parent that I want to be? And is that a parent that's, uh, that's reflecting the face of God? It's not. Um, the hope is <clears throat> that you can change and begin to help your, your children to be seen, to be loved, to be listened to. That's all we have time for today. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and encourage your friends and family to do the same. If you want to support the work of Strong Catholic Dad, you can become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 a month. I quit my job back in 2018 uh, to found Strong Catholic Dad, and as of right now, it's not enough to pay the bills. So. Anything that you can do is appreciated. Until next time, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless. <music>